Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. We've got a good one for you guys today. Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston and the very awesome Celtics Talk Podcast here to commiserate the pretty disappointing loss to the Indiana Pacers. We've also got plenty of fun stuff like title contention and Peyton Pritchard player comps. Plenty of good stuff there. Celtics Jay and Wayne Spooner are on the call. Let's get into it. All right, we're here with analyst for NBC Sports Boston and host of the very, very awesome Celtics Talk podcast, Chris Forsberg. Chris, how you doing, sir? What's up, everybody? What's going down? I wish I could have brought you on a more positive note, but the stupid Celtics lost to the to the Indiana Pacers. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Here we are. And yes, the very stupid Celtics unfortunately did drop it on the road, <laughs> losing 128 to 107 to the Pacers. Chris, let's just going to jump straight into it here. So these last two games against the Pistons and now the Pacers, they seem to have come a lot more difficult to the Celtics. We mm. kind of got used to this long stretch of, of, I want to say, dominance. And now it seems like we're sort of struggling again. Why is that? Like, what's changed with this squad from your perspective? Yeah, you know, I don't know if there's anything that jumps out. I mean, obviously the defense hasn't been to the level that we were accustomed to before the break. And I don't know if that's just them reintegrating or coming out of the break and getting reacclimated. I don't know. Um, clearly the Pistons were super physical and the Celtics didn't respond well to that. And then Indiana was super quick and made quick decisions and that seemed to bother Boston. So, uh, but you know, some of the stuff you can chalk up to, for whatever reason, the Pistons and Pacers made a billion shots against the Celtics that, you know, don't, don't feel like they'd, they normally fall, whether it was the Pistons in the mid-range or the Pacers just making everything. That Buddy Hill 3 where, where Grant was literally draped all over him and I, someone else was nearby, that's when I was like, all right, we're done. Let's yep, pack it up. Yep. We'll, we'll see, <laughs> see you on Tuesday. It's been fun. Uh, you know, And you're going to run into nights like that even when you have the number, I mean, I think there's number two defense or whatever it is. They got the number one yet. Um, so, yeah, th- those things happen, but um, yeah, they could have been crisper. It would not It would help if Jason Tatum didn't get foul trouble four minutes in and have no rhythm at all on the night. But, yeah, like I guess I've been sitting here saying I want to see how they fare against better teams, and it's a little frustrating that now we're going back to the, well, they can't beat the bad teams. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think these things all even out over the course of a season, but especially as we start scoreboard watching every night. A little bit maddening to, to to be sitting here talking about a loss to the Pacers. Spoons, do you do you have the numbers there? Do you know what the the shooting was for uh, the Pacers tonight? 
I, I I didn't see the last number, but one point they're up to sixty percent, and sometime in the third quarter, and it's you know, not like they cooled cr- off at it from three. And Chris, tell me if you're kind of feeling any similarity here, because I feel like what I've been watching and one of the things that I've been enthusiastic about is I suppose the difference from my perspective is whereas we would lose some of these games in the past, it would like tonight we can say, listen, the Pacers, just like the other night, the Pistons, like they're shooting out of their minds. And if a team comes in, just like we would go in on certain nights and shoot out of our Mm -hmm. minds and we'd be like, why can't we play like that every night? Because no one shoots out of their minds like that every single night. And so, I don't know, I feel like to lose a couple of those games here and there, I'd rather lose a couple of those games here and there when another team goes ballistic because we've got the target on our back now because everyone's like, oh, the Celtics are, you know, wait, the Jays are, they figured it out. Like, they're not going to break them up. What? Ah... Like let everyone let, let let everyone come at us. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't disagree. But it's one thing when Utah comes out and shoots seventy percent from the beyond the three point arc. It's another when you're looking at the Pacers or you go wait or the Pistons. Like the Pistons have the twenty ninth ranked offense, and yet every time they see the Celtics, it's like here we go, like two thousand fifteen Warriors coming at you. And so yeah. I, I just wish that uh, you know there was a little bit more consistency with the way the Celtics play. But certainly. You know, I said it before the break, the, the first Pistons loss didn't bother me. I think everyone had mentally checked out and was kind of ready for vacation. And then the Pistons made a billion shots. You know, it was good to see the Celtics find a way to kind of grind through it the other day when they didn't sort of have it uh, defensively and get to the finish line of that game when it got close in the fourth quarter. We hadn't really seen that in a while. But yeah, tonight is just sort of like an annoyance. And, um, you know, every time, every, even when they got it down to what, like seven there in the fourth quarter and then the Pacers still came down and made that ridiculous three and... Just again, you just sometimes you just gotta tip your cap and be like, Rick Carlisle came up with a great game plan. So got a team on a second night of a back to back. Let's pump, pump the pace. Jason Tatum gets foul trouble early. Um, if, when I look back on February, I probably won't. I'll probably sort the data between the first and the twenty seventh or whatever. What is today? Is today twenty seventh? Yeah, yeah. I ruined my own joke. Twenty sixth. <laughs> so you know, and, and because it, it, this one felt like a little bit of an outlier based on the way they played this month, and so again, just kind of tip your cap and move on. So it sounds like the answer to this question is going to be no, but our big run was kind of sparked by going to an eight-man rotation. Do you have any fears that maybe this, like, back-to-back, that's kind of the type of game Mm -hmm. that a team with an eight-man rotation loses? I mean, do you have any fears that going forward we might run out of gas here down the stretch just because it's been so tight? Yeah, Yeah, 100%. I mean... I, I commend Ime for going to the eight man and kind of spurring this run, but it's felt like, especially as Peyton Pritchard starts to come on, I know they didn't have Al tonight, and Tice was hot garbage for some rare change, like where he just had nothing. And so, like, okay, I get it. You have to kind of keep things tight, trying to find a way back into this one, but I mean, the waiting till the final five minutes uh, coming out of the break to put in your subs when Jalen goes down and hits his hand. Like, they, they've got to be better at finding spots here. And the schedule does get a little bit easier. Like, after the, uh, the, the what is it, Thursday night game against the Grizzlies, there's a couple-day break. There's, like, a three-day break later in the month. So maybe, maybe we're all overreacting a little bit to it. They just had a week off. All that being said, like, I do worry that, like, by, you get to the finish line of the season and you've grinded so hard to get the fourth seed or wherever they end up fifth seed, whatever it is, and guys are running on fumes. And so, I mean, part of that is on guys like Peyton Pritchard. This is the first time in a while he's put good games back-to-back. Hopefully that opens the door for him to play. It'd be nice if Tice, who who looked pretty good and seamless in that Detroit game, then comes out and and just couldn't stay in front of anybody, if he could be better and and kind of give Emei confidence to lean on those guys. But 
I guess it's on the players to to prove that. And until they do, Ime has pretty clearly just said, like, screw it. We're uh, we're just playing seven to eight guys. Well, just because you're kind of leaning into thinking about, you know, the, the role players coming in and stepping up and kind of filling some of these gaps. You know, one of the, the hot topics has always been not necessarily like the key role players, but a third star player to bring into the mix here. Um, and of course, early on and, and before the season had started, I got onto my soapbox and I famously um, or not so noticeably, depending on who you ask, um, as you know, as in if you ask me or anyone else. <laughs> Um, I got on the Marcus Smart bandwagon that that was the guy I was, Ooh. you know, putting all my faith into. To I, be I think that, that was my, my first episode. You were you were you were big on that. And I, I, I think was, I, I was trying to, you, I was I, trying I mean, to I bring you on board. And, you know, you you managed to uh, to, to do a nice job of, uh, you know, letting me know <laughs> very politely that good. I was wrong and that I probably needed to listen more to Spoons. But when we're looking now and, and given some of your um Probably, I would say, uh, at least matching enthusiasm for a particular player in Robert Williams, Mm -hmm. the Time Lord. Is that somebody that you see as a potential candidate to fill that sort of third star role? Is that someone who you think has another dimension to what they can do, especially on the offensive end that could open up that as an option? Or do you think it's still like like we got to make a big deal? No, I, I've come down from the, the you know, and I was as guilty of anyone as being like, they need a third star, a third star. I must have said it a hundred times on our air. And I, I don't know if I even meant like they had to go get, everyone's defaults to Bradley Beal, right? But I do, I do think you always shoot for the highest level of talent possible because in the NBA, talent is king. And that's why when the Sixers go get a James Harden, you worry because just like there's a lot of talent out there. And how do you keep up with that without having talent? And there's only so much you can lean on. Grant Williams and Peyton Pritchard, and as good as those guys can be, you still need like top end talent that does it every night. Rob's not at the third star point yet, but you know you can see all the potential in the world and like how much different they are when he's playing to a high level. So you know I'd love it if if there wasn't nights like in Detroit where he comes out and he misses a couple lobs at the start there, and I'm thinking, oh no, it's one of those nights where Rob doesn't have it, and you can usually tell. Within the first, like, two minutes, I can be like, it's going to be a good night for Rob or it's going to be a bad night for Rob. Like, does he catch that first backside lob that they run every single night now? If he does, probably going to be a good night. If he doesn't, I'm a little, I'm a little cautious. I don't, I don't know if matinees are messing with him, 5 o'clock tips or whatever, but uh, I, I did think he settled in a little bit better tonight than he did uh, in Detroit. But I do think for the long-term sustainability of this team, like, he's got to continue to blossom. And he probably does have to be the third guy. Like we'll see what happens this summer and, and whether they just kind of ride it with this core and wait till the end of Al's deal or use Al's deal to go get whatever that magical third piece or third star or third, whatever you want to call it, um, complimentary piece. Um, but I think Rob has the most potential to be that guy uh, amongst the core. I love like, that's no disrespect to smart. I think he's right there. That's why I've kind of just leaned into the core four and the, you know, now with Derek White, you can say your, your core five, whatever you want to term it. But Scal puts it this way, and you know, I, I sometimes have to pick myself off the ground when he starts saying it this way. Is that every championship team has like some super freak, like not not just necessarily like super athletic dude, but like one wild card that just makes them completely different. And every team has superstars. Every team has scores. Every team has like shooting. Except the Boston Celtics. And then there's there's just like one thing that sets you apart. And for the Celtics. It's Rob. Like, there's just not another Rob in the league, uh, or at least to the level that he's capable of doing it. So I, I do throw him into that third-star mix. Now, again, I tell everybody when I ramble on like this, 
I'm biased. Like I, I got on that wagon early, and I've kind of like even if he, if I didn't believe it, I probably have to say it. So uh, I hope he continues the trajectory. Uh, but I think the numbers bear it out. Like he's been really, really good this year. And and again, I think there's a whole nother level for him to go through. Playing through a little bit of pain, like finding ways to to contribute when he's when he doesn't, you know, have it going in a certain game. Um, just like really setting that defensive tone, and uh, you know, just finding consistency. And I, I think if that happens, then he's right there in the in the uh, in the third star realm. So I have to ask one. Quick follow up on it. Would you do trade we let Robert? Ben talk? Yeah, does no, ben, I will. No, 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 but this ben is important. Talk? This, like, he, does, this he, is really he, important. Does he do the intro and then just like <laughs> he's too damn polite. He does this every you, you time. Go anymore, too. Jay, and I'll go after you. <laughs> Would you trade Robert Williams for Rudy Gobert? No. Wow. <laughs> I might I might have been listening to, to to an episode where you guys were talking about yeah. that. And, uh, yeah, I'm 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 full. You know, but like I mean, you you could have said, would you trade him for LeBron James? And I'd be like, no, because it, LeBron's old and over, right. and Rob is 23 and going to dominate the league for for years there's a to value come. Ratio like, I, I think there. there's a short list. Yeah, and there's just, there's just a there's there's a limited number of guys that I would do it for. Now, are there more talented 23 year olds in the league? Of course. Like there's John, ja like tons of guys I would, I would, I would be ready to, to, to make a deal for, but of the, of the, of the, of the centers and big men that I would, that I would trade him for. There, there's very few. And um, I think he's just, I, I, plus the way he compliments the core of this team, I think is important. And so finding another person like him that you could just, slot in that role without really compromising what you're trying to do on both ends of the court would be difficult. And so you got to consider everything, but um, you know, of, of all the potential, what I thought Brad Stevens might do at the deadline, I never thought it would involve Rob and that's beyond the poison pill and, and all that in his contract. I just think they realize they've got a, a, a really key asset locked up for long-term. So I'm not, I'm not making the move for, you know, someone on the backside of their career. We did see a lineup adjustment in this game against the Pacers today. We saw Grant Williams starting in place of, of Al Horford. And during the game, particularly the back end of the game, when I was trying to find other sources of entertainment, I was looking at cleaning the glass uh, around the lineup stats with the mm-hmm. um, quote-unquote Grant instead of Al starting lineup. And it's a huge bump in point differential. So our, our normal starting lineup has a, um, a plus 26.3 point differential. The Al, sorry, the Grant instead of Al starting lineup has a plus 34.7, which puts him in the 99th percentile league-wide of lineups who have played more than 20 minutes per game together. Do, do you see this as the long-term starting lineup for the Celtics. We talked about players who are, you know, over and out. Al Horford is not getting any younger. You know, probably mm-hmm. his um, standing among the team will probably change in the next year or so. Do you see Grant as that starting for more of a, a long-term lineup for this team? I think it, if, if, if it had come out and been great tonight, I probably would have been more bullish on the, the notion. I've certainly, <laughs> from even from the start of the year, uh, I said, like, I thought they should have gone to that lineup earlier. I thought the too big was clunky at times at the start. And, you know, look, credit to Ime. He stuck with it and sort of said, like, if they were going to be the defense that they were going to be, they needed to lean on that group. And it bore out. And, and yeah, I can't argue with it. I I think if, if I'm Ime, I would consider maybe getting out to the bench a little earlier and getting Grant in. Um, I know he's been, I think it's been Grant and Derek White coming in at the first sub, which is fine. Like, if you're if you're versatile enough, that works. But um, I'd like to see Grant run with that group more often. It just, I think it, it hammers home more than everything. The overarching thing is that it hammers home that they need shooting with that group. And in order for Tatum and, and Brown to thrive and, and be great. And unfortunately, the one thing Al hasn't done this year 
is shoot the ball consistently. So uh, if you can tell me that he's going to hit a fountain of youth, and then okay, you know, I'll, I'll, his defense has been so good that I'll, I'll I'll deal with it. Or the nights that he doesn't have it defensively, you know, have been fewer between than than I probably thought at the start of the year. Um, but I don't know if Grant's the long term answer there, but he's clearly got a chance to be a part of this like seven eight man core, whatever they build. Mm-hmm. They can. It, I'll be very interested to see what they do this off season. Extension eligible, eligible. You know, could you get him? Uh, I was talking with B Rob the other day, and we were kind of kicking around numbers. I said, could you get him at four thirty two, four thirty six, something just below the mid level? You know, people would scoff at that, but for a three and D wing who you feel comfortable running with your starters, who you know has played really good defense, I think you could do worse with that money. Uh, and maybe you've bought yourself a little bit of flexibility with underpaying for Rob, and so. Um, I'd consider it if I was the Celtics. I guess it also depends on what you do otherwise, right? Like if you go out and you get a power forward that you're going to lean into, you maybe don't need to overpay Grant Williams but or underpay Grant Williams, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, that's all part of the puzzle. Uh, I really liked when Grant, well, I mean, like, look, Grant has been a revelation this year and same deal as all these other dudes. They've, they've There's a whole other level of consistency he can find. Tonight gets a chance to start and had one of his, what I would say is one of his worst games of the year, but... Yeah. Um, in general, I do like that lineup. And, and But, you know, I say that and then 63 minutes. That's why while the, the, the point differential is, is, is nice and you look at the offensive rating, you, you can really fall in love with it. You know, if, if that group got 200 and something minutes like the real starters, could they maintain that? I don't know. Um, but maybe we'll, maybe we'll find out. I don't know how many more back-to-backs they've got. Um, but if they're going to try to downshift Al a little bit here in the second half and make sure he's ready for the playoffs, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a few more looks at that group. I would totally give Grant that four. I'd give him four for 40 in a heartbeat, man. He's 22, Ooh. 23 years old. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's shooting 40% from three. He can defend. I I would absolutely do that. I think he's got more to his game than what he's shown, too. I mean, once in a while, he'll have, like, a nice little – he had a couple nice, like, spin moves in the lane against the Pistons. I would do that in a second. Um, but my opinion aside, because that's not what anyone wants to hear. So obviously you are the... Save it for the Spoonie show. <laughs> you think yeah, I get this That's, what he's, that's what he's really doing here. He's trying to make I it just, seem humble. It's just a reason for me to hear myself talk, which is my favorite type of conversation. Well, and Grant's got so, some strong posy vibes, I feel like, especially yeah. just watching him Ooh. defend lately. I'm like, he's got some strong posy vibes as far as like the kind of dynamic Ooh. that he can bring to a lineup, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the, the natural comparison is P.J. Tucker, right? And every yeah. good championship team has a 3 and D undersized guy who just goes out there and can defend up and, and do all those things. So, yeah, like I, I, love, the, I love the player. I like, and I do think they just want to see – I think the Celtics will want to see a progression straight through the end of the year. Like, what can he do in the playoffs? And then that will make them more confident about which way to proceed with him. But, um, yeah, anytime you get a player at a good value, I think Brad Stevens has shown – uh, if they can lock core pieces up long term, they won't they won't be skittish about doing such. Yeah, it's kind of a luxury in that the characteristics that we've been looking for in the acquisition of a, a player at that position, a sort of the stretch four position, have naturally emerged out of Grant's game as he's matured and aged as a player. And now it sort of takes the panic away from from our front office in terms of having to scramble and acquire someone who can fill that role. He seems like he's sort of learning to to do it himself, which is great. I want to go to the, the Celtics Reddit post-game thread here. There's a comment from user Billy Baha who said that Tatum is, has these st- setback games where he just jacks threes and they need to stop. Don't care if he misses good shots, but those are terrible shots and he needs to stop taking them. So my question for you, Chris, is 
Do you agree? And does Tatum need to still make major changes or adjustments to his overall game for this team to become a contender? I think this team as a whole has an issue when opposing teams are making threes. They just, um, to borrow one of Brad Stevens' very corny lines, he like wants to hit singles. And as mm-hmm. as silly as that is, it's like probably is the most prudent way to to when the things are going bad and your own threes aren't going. And we saw it for stretches where what was it right at the start of the second half or when Amy called that timeout late in the second quarter and they just went to the hoop three times in a row. And it was like, oh yeah, you, you know, you can just run a pick and roll and throw a lob to Rob and it looks really good and gets you two points. Um, I wish they would all kind of remember that when things start to go a little bit sideways, but Tatum chief among them, um, you know, he doesn't seem to have, I think he's been better at it, recognizing when he's having off shooting nights and finding other ways to impact the game, whether that's rebounding or defense or, you know, assist and playmaking, all that stuff. But yeah, there's just there's just times where it feels like he's like, I'm just going to will them back in this one. And he'd already sort of when you're on the exercise bike doing your doing your Peloton four minutes into the game, not not probably the night you're going to have your best rhythm. And so uh, I want all of them to, to to be better in recognizing that in the moment, but especially your superstar. And that thing just goes back to it. Like the one thing I when I criticize Jason Tatum is that superstars do it every single night, you know, and even if it's not scoring, you find a way to be the best player on the floor and on a night like this, that's what should happen. The last Pacers game, Tatum makes the bucket that gets it to overtime and fi- helps the Celtics find a way to win. So I just need him to, to better recognize in those moments uh, what's a good shot, what's like the best way to help your team, uh, what's the best way to get your team composed. And, you know, some of that's on him to, to make sure they're, they're taking it, the right shots. Yeah, absolutely. And shifting gears just a little bit. So obviously, we know you are all in on Rob Williams. You look like a genius, Chris, as usual. Thank you. And you Thank and you. Weird Celtics Twitter <laughs> riffs, man. Uh, so if you had to predict who is the next, to use a term the children Ooh. use, hype Celtics hype beast. And I could give you some candidates ah. if you'd like. Yes, please. Aaron Neesmith. Go ahead. Start listening stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Aaron Neesmith. Sam Those are the only options he gives you, by the way. Yeah, That's it's, just that it's a dangerous name to even utter at the moment. Sam Hauser. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. And Ooh. a dark horse, Yuhan Bagarin. <laughs> First off, wow. uh, Begaron. Good, good job with, with the uh, Begaron. Um, so I would actually go off the board. I would go, when Summer League rolls around, Yam Madar okay. will be the, 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 the super hype. Um, because I was on the, I remember we broadcast the first Summer League game this past year. And I was out of control excited about it because <laughs> he does have, and, and maybe it's just because they have depth issues at point guard that, you know, I would hope he could carve out a role. Uh, are you going to da- dance through this whole segment? But yeah, I, 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 Hauser, because their lack of shooting this year is accentuated when he gets out there and can actually make a shot. I thought you were going to throw Matt Ryan on there now that they've like signed this, this, this new the guy who's shooting 38% on, on nine threes a game in the, in the G league. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I don't, I, whoever can bring a serviceable skill set that this team needs is probably next on the hype train. And until Neesmith remembers how to shoot, uh, we're probably stuck with, 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 with others. I mean, I was, look, there was a stretch last year where, where I almost like veered off the Rob hype train to, to just be the sole conductor of the Neesmith, uh, I'm going to break my neck chasing offensive rebounds hype train. But um, whether it's just the lack of time or, uh, you know, maybe just kind of in his own head about his shot, uh, it's been hard to, 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 to get the same 
sort of enthusiasm around Neesmith. Like Peyton Pritchett shows us, it's it's dangerous to jump off too soon with any of these guys yeah. and that with the right amount of playing time and right opportunity, um, all these guys can sort of get it going. And, you know, look, like maybe Peyton Pritchard has a crazy shooting night in the playoffs and we're all just like out of our minds about, you know, his potential and, and, and being another, you know, being that, that eighth man or whatever you want to call it. So um, I don't, I don't want to sell out any of these guys, but if, when I think about hype train, it's usually guys that we have very low expectations for. And uh, like the overseas guys are just the ultimate, whatever, Wild like card. if they become something yeah. that's awesome. So, um, so yeah, uh, put me on the Yam train. Nice. I like all it. Right. I like we've it. All, we've all got our chips where we're all looking to invest, so we appreciate the uh, the advice there. Now we can well, who, do, who do you guys got? All right, so Jay's clearly got clear, Jay's clearly got Yam. What do you, what do you guys all got? in on side of Yams? I whole play the Yams. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Grant Williams, which maybe it's too late because the expectations have already risen there. But I just feel like we, he's still got so far to go. His ceiling is still so much mm-hmm. higher than what he's showing that he's capable of at the moment. Um, so I feel like if I can get in there now, if I can publicize my, you know, my interest and in my um, classification as, as grand as a hype beast, then uh, then maybe I could be celebrated as you have been, uh, Chris, uh, sometime in the future for that. What about you, Spoons? I mean, I still totally believe Smith, but uh, I, I I was watching <laughs> Timmy threw up some highlights of Begarone. Uh, they nailed it. <laughs> and man, he like he looks and just moves like an NBA player, and obviously he's playing in you know, France. So who knows, but Yabu looked great in France too, but something about that dude's game and how comfortable he looks and how damn athletic and big he is. I could see him being that guy. And he's got kind of that athleticism that pops off the, off the TV, like Rob did. And I feel like that's a good way to get like a ground swelled, some hype around you. I would take Yabu back in a heartbeat. Have have you seen those Yabu highlights from Madrid? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even even the FIBA uh, and the, the Olympic of Yabu yeah. this past year, I was like, wait a second, did did the Celtics cash out at the wrong time? He's I think he's still like on the books for this season after he got stretched. So <laughs> yeah. um, it's only fair if he comes plays because I mean he could be the, the the four of the future if they just were patient and developed him and and all that. But player mm-hmm. development has been an issue, and so uh, woulda coulda. Yeah, Ainge nailed the pick. Absolutely. That's right. Um, now, look, this this question had more legs prior to tonight's game, today's game here in Australia. Um, I'll ask it anyway. So lately, and for the first time in a long time, at least the first time in a couple of years, we've had the luxury of being able to stop in the middle of our day and you know have a sigh of relief and, and for a moment consider that maybe the Celtics are a legitimate title contender Ooh. or at least an, an edge case for that. Have you had that, that pause in the middle of your day and, and had that thought lately? And is it, is it genuinely possible that the Celtics could be title contenders this season? Yeah, I mean, this month gave you hope, right? The defense was mm-hmm. was excellent, and anytime you can, I mean, their their defensive rating since whatever since I forget if it was since Smart returned or since January one, you know, eighty four points per hundred possessions. Like that's absurd. That's 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 rolling the clock back to the. I mean, even probably even better than the two thousand four Pistons and. You know, I hate those comparisons and they're not the same and they're not like that physical beat you up kind of defense. But like when they were really moving around and covering for each other and I mean, it's, it looks great. And I'm, I got a chance to talk to Brad right after the, uh, the the trade deadline. And he's like, look, you know, there are times where we're watching this and I'm like, man, I've never seen a defense like this. And Brad, his whole thing has been defense. So, you know, when he, it sort of hammers home how good he feels about what this team can be in those moments. And so um, I would like to see. 
Uh, or I guess I, I, I'd like to see it against good teams for a prolonged st- stretch, but we, we've seen it against you know, what they had to deal with for a prolonged stretch. So uh, I think that gives me hope that they can be in the mix. Um, I do need, I think the offense needs to get a little bit better. Like they, they, they obviously nights like this hammer at home that they have these maddening lulls and, and, and ability to kind of get away from what works. But when that ball's zipping and they look like the 86 Celtics, that little highlight the other night where Marcus went behind the back and Jason threw the sidearm. Yeah. If I get a couple more stretches like that, I'll be, I, 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 like I find myself kind of willed into thinking, okay, this can be something. And the East is just so weird. I don't know what to think. You know, it'll, so much of it will depend on matchups. If they get the Bucks in round one, I feel a hell of a lot worse about where their you know ability to get to the to the finals than if they draw Cleveland, who has never been there and doesn't doesn't have any you know enough offense either. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I think it's okay to be optimistic. We spent so we spent so many months just like depressed about this team that like yeah, exactly. I don't begrudge anybody who wants to be like over the top enthusiastic. I called this the best starting five in the league the other day, and people were like, "You're stupid." And I'm like, "Yeah, I probably am," but um, like. I just want to be excited about something. So uh, if, you, if, if people wanted to get, even if it's irrational, like I'm cool with it. Listen, I'm going to start some kind of group because I'm telling you right now, I don't know where everyone's coming from where they're having all these down feelings. I don't think, I know things get hard sometimes, man, but that's all part of this process, <laughs> man. You got to just be in love with this. Come on. <laughs> I like yeah, you don't have those vibes. down feelings, do you, Jay? You're eternally positive, which is why, why we love you. <laughs> um, Forsberg, you, you you mentioned calling this team the, the best starting lineup in the league, and and one of the great aspects of the the Celtics broadcast is that you're always bringing these um, really good and solid statistical insights. Are they good? Is there... You know how many times I've run out of stats? I'm like, what can I recycle? <laughs> how many times can I say who like Jason Tatum is passing to the most? I've had nights where I text Abby and I say. Did I do this one already? Because I legitimately don't know what numbers I have said, and like I feel, I feel like I, I might need to diversify the portfolio. And uh, but un- until until we run out of advanced NBA metrics, I'm just I'm just going to continue riding it. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you. Are there any are there any stats that you? don't have access to that you wish you had access to mm. like the NBA is sort of increasing their repertoire of like they now track like potential assists and secondary assists not particularly well but they, they do track and, and present those stats <laughs> is there something out there that you know you wish you could pay someone to manually track for you so that you could you know um, present Ooh. that on the broadcast uh, well I mean if my company wants to ma- pay somebody to manually track <laughs> it I'd be all for it um, sure yeah, I, I'll, I'll reword that I, question I, 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 I missed so when I was at ESPN we did have like a little, little we, we, I, I would say this I saw behind the curtain of second spectrum uh, a lot and obviously the NBA is using their data a lot more now uh, sort of replacing synergy slowly but surely on their advanced pages but they had like I mean it, some, some their ability to sort was insane I could be like uh, Marcus Smart right side pick and rolls when Rob is screening inside with like you know forty five degree like it was just you could do so many things and you it, you could make yourself sound really smart because you could delineate by anything. I miss that. I miss like the depth of like tell me who their best screener is because there's no like metric out there that you can just sort of do that quick and they have you know screen assist and all that but like that's junk. Um, you know so I. I love being able to just sort of really dive. Like every time I, I guess I always start when I'm like, why is something happening and how do I find it out? And there are so many times when it's just, you, you feel like you hit a dead end because they just either don't track it or you don't feel comfortable that 
the metric is correct. Like even hockey assists, I, I don't understand what the NBA's re- reasoning is behind in a hockey assist. There's some, I think it's a length of time that it has to be between the first pass and the second pass. And, you know, so some of these things I just wish I had more control over, um, like what the filters are on it and uh, kind of being able to drill down. Um, but uh, that being said, you can always, it's, it's, it is incredible that you can always sort of find a number that either supports most of the time, I'll find like one number that supports my case and nine that don't. And I'm like, well, I'm just running with this one number because it, it'll make me look smart. Um, and as oh, long yeah, as you have one number, you, 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 can't be, you can't be proven wrong. Like, okay, Grant Williams today, 136.4 offensive rating with the core four. Like, okay, that group is great offensively. You can't tell me otherwise. And then they come out and throw up a dud. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, you do do, do a really good job. And I think that um, among the, the average like, I guess maybe younger NBA fan, there is really an appetite for that kind of stuff. Uh, if for nothing else, and just to seem smart around your mates, in my case, in the nice. pub, when I'm talking about why the Celtics are awesome and why people should pay attention, stop watching Aussie Rules football and start paying attention to NBA basketball. <laughs> no one listens to me, but you, you, you feed me that data, Forsberg, so I appreciate it very much. Uh-huh. I, 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 that, that's warming to me because sometimes, and I catch myself doing it, I'll th- because, because I don't have any graphics when I do those hits, um, I sometimes get nervous because I'm like, man, I just threw out four numbers and like the casual viewer is probably like, what is this nerd telling me right now? And it's like, I don't have a chart or, or something to tell you to compare it to. Or, and so I probably should be, and I've, I've, I've sort of said like, you know, if I was more diligent, what we've been trying to do is find something from like the first half that makes sense to spotlight early in the third quarter. And like the other night, so Tatum had six first half assists and there was like 14 assist points off of that. And he was trending towards maybe his biggest night. I think his biggest night was 29 assist points off of 12 assists. And ironically, it was against Detroit a year ago. And I'm thinking, oh, this is perfect. And then we had some technical issues and I didn't get to do it. So we audible and went to the crunch time numbers, which have been terrible. But um, if I had more time and the ability to like hand write a graphic on a napkin or something that I could hold up, I would feel better <laughs> that I would like people were digesting this and, uh, you know, not just just screaming random because um, sometimes, sometimes I'll scream at an offensive rating at Amina during our post game show, and she'll kind of look at me like, "I don't even know what the hell that means." And like, understand, Lucille, like I can't sit here and tell you like one. They have 154.2 offensive rating. Like casual viewers, like what the hell does that mean? So you know, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it resonates. And I try to give comparisons on like you know, this is why it's good or this is why it's bad. The Celtics are 101 in crunch time. That's terrible. Like, but uh, sometimes I do wonder if people are just. Just like, man, this guy's just screaming random digits at me. Well, I know for me, it's it's been one of those things where I've had to go back and, and, and reconnect with my old math teachers because really the joke ended up being on me. I did end up needing some of that math. Mm. And um, yeah, you know, they, they won out. So you, know, you win some, you lose some. I, I, as a journalist, I, I think I scored higher on my uh, math in the SATs than I did for my verbal. And I'm guessing that's not usually the case with journalists or people on TV. Um, but uh, same deal. Who's who's laughing now? SATs, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Good for you. So Thank you. I just wanted to touch on you know um, and and excuse me and and edit me out if we've covered this because I did have to step away for a second and I apologize. Um, but you recently did a mailbag write up. You were talking about some buyout options, um, and since then we have had some big signings. You mentioned one of them uh, being Matt Ryan. Uh, we've also had Keela Martin, Malik Fitz. Um, what are your what's sort of your take on 
these signings, what it kind of speaks to as far as the current strategy the Celtics have going into buyout season and leading up into the playoffs? And do you see any of this meaning anything that we should read into going into the offseason or in consideration to the upcoming offseason? So I, I know I kind of yeah, packed so that I, in, but... No, no, no. It's a good question. Um, because I think, understandably, we all said, can they go find a, a veteran that they that might actually play in the playoffs? And doesn't feel like they're going to do that two days until the, the, the uh, March 1st deadline for adding players for the postseason. I think Brad was pretty clear coming out where he said... I mean, and the way I looked at it too, like Amy's been playing eight guys. Like you would have to find a really proven guy in order to find someone that was will- he was willing to play in that scenario. And instead, they're largely using their pretty much their entire back half of their roster in uh, two way slots. So when you think about it, like if he's playing eight, eight, nine guys, like there's another eight that are this sort of here auditioning for the future or, or like breaking case of emergency types. And so I think what's pretty clear is they've put a pri- premium on uh, you know either good bench guys like Fitz has been awesome. Like he's bringing that Theo Pinson like energy <laughs> on the sideline. And I think there is a value in that. Just like dudes that just yeah. want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're going to be the 17th guy on a team, like might as well just enjoy it. And like even Luke Cornett seems way more energized than he was in the future. And so give me, I mean the past. So just give me those guys who just are like downright happy to be here and are willing to work and, you know, help your team uh, and who also are probably pretty good basketball players. We just might not see a whole lot of them. Um, but I thought it was great that they converted Hauser. I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, they got no shooting and um, that they, they felt like maybe he could show a little something uh, being around the parent team more. Um, even adding uh, Matt Ryan, who I will not pretend that I knew who he was before tonight and that I'm the field day of jokes about the Atlanta Falcons QB are just going to be endless here, but... Um, yeah, like, look, he's 38.7% on nine-something threes a game. Like, perfect. That's all I asked them to do. I said, go get the one of the better power forwards in the league. And I don't know what he can do defensively. I'm going to have to go watch some tape. Uh, but my guess is he's just a really good shooter in there, just hoping to find uh, someone that, uh, like, Brad even referenced it. He said he, he's envious of the Miami Heat, who just continually find guys either late in the draft or that are just sitting on a curb somewhere and turn them into serviceable players. And so uh, if one of these nine guys turns out to be something that you can lean on in the future, and like I guess my, my money would be on Hauser based on early returns, but um, it's not the worst thing to have these guys. You have the spots, you know, might as well fill them up with guys. And now, you know, uh, Fitz and Co. will be on their 10 days will end and maybe uh, just add two more guys. Maybe you just sign two guys for the rest of the season on the last day of the year. Um, and just ride through that way. You're in, they're in your system. Um, maybe you go. I don't know. I would like. Scal wanted Taco Fall and Taco had a big dunk on Twitter, and we, he watched it a hundred times and was like, "See, I told you, we should go. We should go get him." Uh, but I, you know, I don't. I don't I, just as long as you're committed to developing them or at least giving them a chance, then that's all I want from the last base. Because I'm just not convinced that you can go find. Uh, you know, PJ Brown wasn't even a buyout guy. He was just kind of hanging out, waiting for KG to call. Um, it's it's very rare that you find a buyout guy that can that can actually help a team. Obviously, we are the Celtics Reddit podcast. We need to hit our quota of Reddit posts to run by yes. Forsberg. So, bring them. First one I'm going to hit you with here is from user Bryce Coon, where he asks. He just put up a poll in the sub. Where does Tatum's defense rank amongst the wings in the league? And obviously everyone voted for top five because of the meme, but 
Uh, I mean, just putting kind of a finer point on that. We talk, we're talking about Rob and Smart maybe being up for all defense. Am I crazy, or could you make an argument Tatum's been right up there with those two guys, or do you think he's kind of a step step below them both? If only that someone had done a solo podcast on this recently that we could that we could lean on to, to figure out if we're... Yeah, we're just going to roll that right now, so... <laughs> Uh, I would throw the question. I, like I, I, uh, I have not gotten a chance to listen to it yet, spoons. I'm not gonna, not, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. But um, I saw, I think, a little bit of your numbers and comparing them what to Paul George and some other like of the big wings that you could throw in that court. I do think Tatum has all the potential in the world there. Um, it, obviously, the length is 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 huge in terms of just disruption, um, contesting all those things. Um, I'm sure the numbers bear it out that because of how good the Celtics defense has been. Uh, that he's been good as well. And we probably undervalue what he does because it's just, we're so fun. When we're, we we tend to pigeonhole these guys as like offensive players and defensive players. And um, Tatum is clearly just because he goes off for 60 points every now and then we say, Oh, he's, you know, off some offensively. So we ignore sort of, or undervalue what he does defensively. Um, I, I think it's fair to think that he's in the mix amongst the best at his position and, and what he does um, same deal as everything. Like I, I just, I'd like to see it more consistently. I think he was, um, you know, again, I don't know without going into the numbers, I don't know how, if he's been as disruptive as maybe I thought he was last year. Um, but that being said, like the, it's a little bit different this year. You've got Rob and that Roman role and, you know, it's just, a, it's a little bit different in how they, in how they, they play in a, in a an attack. But, um, yeah, like it, it's fair to absolutely think that like Tatum is, is, is good defensively. Yeah, first of all, I'm flattered you're even aware I have a podcast about that. Never mind listening to it. So that's awesome. Big time spoons. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I think it's really tough to separate when you have such a great defense. None of those defensive stats really separate out like how much is this single guy contributing, right? They're all cogs in a machine and it's just really tough. But one thing I'll say, do you get the... for whatever reason, when I see like discussions of the Celtics defense and Tatum and Brown, it seems like non-Celtics fans have this impression that Brown is the better defender. Uh, do you notice that at all? Do you agree with that? Or do you think Tatum's a little bit better than him? Because Jalen is just, yeah, I, he, he's so floaty, man. I know. I, I agree. I think if you, if I like casually pulled, you know, 10 writers from other teams, they would, they would say Jalen is the better defender. Now, He's had good moments, like guarding fours when overseas and FIBA and the, the, when they went with, with, I remember it, like being really impressed that Pop threw him into that situation. Um, but certainly when you watch it on a night-to-night basis, you do get frustrated that, you know, he gets caught ball watching a lot and gets beat back door. And, you know, there are moments where I'm, I'm screaming at my TV because, again, you know these guys can do it. And I don't find myself doing that with Tatum as much, like, Tatum is usually in the right spots or he can use his, his, his size and length to make up for those moments if he does maybe get caught napping a little bit. Um, but Brown certainly seems more often that that's the case with him. Um, just like, again, anecdotally, when I, when, I think of, when I think about when I'm yelling at my TV. Um, and, um, but they, certainly, and, and, and just like you said, it's hard to parse. Like if I had to pick who's their best defender right now, um, you know, I'd probably go with Rob because I feel like he's the most disruptive. But, you know, is he the best one-on-one defender? No. Like, Marcus is really good, but there are struggles against big guards. And tonight was an yeah. example of that. Like, it seems like every time he has that Brogdon matchup, it's a it's a problem. And Halliburton's right in that mix, too. And so, 
Yeah, it's like it's hard. They all have their quite clearly their strengths and they all sort of struggle with something. Um, but if I had to power rank, you know, Celtics defenders, like unfortunately, like it's not a reflection on Jalen as a whole. It's just he's probably at the back end of that group because of of like where he is and the consistency with with which he plays. But again, I go back to it. Like I feel like he can just go up a whole nother level uh, with that. And that's like that's crazy to think what a defense that's as good as the Celtics are. Yeah, and it's partially just everybody else is so damn good at defense, so Brown looks worse in comparison. Um, all right, we got another Reddit post for you. User X4TUN8X. Uh, Why don't people just use common words in their, in their, in their, in their, in their Reddit <laughs> handles? Is this to avoid being like tracked? I don't understand this. Like, I, even if I was making something up, it wouldn't, even if I didn't want people to know Chris Forsberg, I wouldn't pick. Xnut thirty two eight nine seven four like as my as my username like where do these come? From? So this careful people, what you man. wish. Who knows what they're thinking? Careful Most of what them you come from Pebbly Jack Glasscock. That's yeah. That's I've got source. some Reddit names Reddit with sure. regular words in it for you here that we might have to beep. But <laughs> so he asks, who does Peyton Pritchard remind you of? What do you think the best comp is for an idealized Peyton Pritchard? And let me give you some suggestions from that post. Ooh, okay. User the Tenta Clear Crease says <laughs> Jameer Nelson, kind of. Uh, upstanding gentleman by the name of Mr. Poopy Booty Hole says Tony Delk. The aforementioned. Oh, man. Yeah, Tony that's buckets. mean, right? Uh, the. the uh. The aforementioned Pebbly Jack Glasscock, a common contributor, says Eddie House. And personally, that is who I would pick is Eddie House. And user The Onion Watch says Eminem, which was obviously the highest upvoted comment. <laughs> because Reddit. 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 Um, I can't, no, no, no one put Fred Van Vliet? He was in there. People don't I, feel I just, like Pritchard's got the defense to kind of do what. Van Fleet does. Yeah, like they, no, they do have fair. similar. And, and like, like, I agree with you because I've thought about that comp too on, on a couple of occasions. But like, at least from the sort of just generalized fan perspective or opinion, like he just doesn't have anything close to what most people assume or presume Van Fleet has. Yeah, and I think the the hard part there too is you're comparing him to a guy that's now all star level, right? right? Like, you know, how do you? If, if, if Peyton Pritchard's trajectory, can he get to a Van Vliet? I don't know. I, I probably would say no. I'd probably lean towards. I've always thought his his ceiling is probably like high level role player, and that's not like the the most uh, a flattering thing you can say for someone. I just think based on the Celtics, what they've got for as part of their core, it's it's probably where he'll he'll top out. But you know. I, he's not obviously this sort of uh, loose cannon that Eddie House was in terms of guy that just came in and was like, I'm ready to yeah. shoot. I think Pritchard has a little bit more of a uh, diversity to his game. I loved against the Pistons that he had six assists. I think without Schroeder out there now, uh, even when you're running with Derek White, you know you need people that can play make, and I want Peyton Pritchard to do more of that. I loved when he wouldn't pick up his dribble. Everyone sort of made the Steve Nash dribble comparisons when he'd just like go at the basket. He hasn't done that as much this year. Um, again, I think he's changed a little bit this season. Um, and I, I'd almost rather he kind of go back to that first year, not just in terms of shot making, but just like how he carried himself, how he dribbled. And, um, you know, uh, he's also started, although he, maybe he is because he started stepping on the line again uh, this past weekend. And that felt very much a throwback to last season when he just improbably stepped on the end line or the sideline uh, way too much. 
uh, just trying to get his feet right. And so um, I like the comparisons. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. Um, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for Tony Buckets. Uh, Tony Delk was. <laughs> I love that trade as much as people hated it. Like Tony Delk and, and Rodney Rogers getting the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals was better than people remember because the team was so hideous uh, yeah. at that point that I, no, I know. I, I know it was a terrible trade, but but yeah. So trade. like I, I can justify that one all day long. Um, but um, hopefully, hopefully Peyton Pritchard I'll take that debate. Figures out how to. <laughs> Yeah, go go to another level defensively, and then we can then we can uh, then we can uh, then we can discuss what uh, what the best comp is. I got I got a deep cut comp on that one. Uh, Jr. Bremer. Anyone <laughs> remember Jr. Bremer? How, how many games did he play? Like <laughs> ten, maybe yeah. 27? 27? I'm, they were great. Games. I don't have basketball reference. <laughs> they were great. Were they? <laughs> Listen, you got to find the silver linings wherever they may be. Sometimes he killed it in Europe. Bremer was a beast. <laughs> Don't sleep on Bremer. All right, I'm going to look him up. I'm going to flash his photo up on our, on the YouTube version of this podcast so myself and nice. other people can uh, get an idea of, of, of who that person is. I have no idea. Listen, and the Celtics for a long time were desperate for like anyone that even resembled a point guard. And, and J.R. Bremer was like a guy that for at least a, a brief moment gave a, a glimmer of hope. It's kind of like the way we f- we felt every time a center used to come on this squad and they'd get like three blocks in a game and then they'd get compared to, uh, you know, Bill Russell immediately afterwards. There he is. That dude is go. a baller, man. Come on. <laughs> Timmy, throw There's the, throw the highlights YouTube up, man. Way. Let them know because they, they, they need to act like they know. They know it don't show right now. They, they, they're sleeping on Bremer. But no, he was look, look one of those, those guys. He, he gave us he gave us a little glimmer at Dude, one point. Jacked. And it was like, oh, maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. It didn't. It's Corey Maggette. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. And then the the, the other p- pictures that pops up is Scott Wedman. And maybe you know, like Ooh, not a oh, good yeah. sign. That 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 that, that, fe- that feels unfair uh, because they were just we're it's just picking random white dudes at this point. But um, it, it, uh, the, the the I think I think Pritchard actually broke a Bremer record at some point. Like Bremer had like some absurd amount of rookie three pointers, and, and same deal. Yeah, we all got like irrational like this. But th- it's because the Celtics had nobody would ever shot three pointers as a rookie, right? And so I think uh, it just well, ex- probably except for Chauncey Billups, and that's why he got dealt like five minutes yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does happen. I remember thinking that Greg Steamsma was the second coming of Bill Russell. So we've all been on these high trains before. Hopefully that the Pritchard version lasts a little Yo, bit longer. Steamsma was the Time Lord meme before Time Lord showed up, man. Only yeah, Time true. Lord, like, he, he brought it to fruition. Like, he realized it. You know what I mean? Tommy Heinsohn called him Bill Russell. So, like, you you, you had good company there. Like, Tommy loved high trains as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, look, we are going to wrap it up there. And look, if you're not following Chris on Twitter, you absolutely should be. And let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you're most certainly following the guy who's on TV for the Celtics. Anyway, and of course, check out the Celtics Talk podcast, which is very, very awesome as well. Um, Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I got to go download Spoonie's Spoonies show now and then I'll I'll be caught up. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Great plug. (laughs) Thank you for plugging us instead of yourself. That's going to do it for this one. Huge, huge thanks to Chris Forsberg for taking the time. Thanks, of course, to Jay and Spoonie. We'll be back later this week. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.